your news, your entertainment, your business. We're on a mission from God. This is the Rich Rothman Show. Hello, everybody. Five o'clock straight up. Welcome to the Rich Rothman Show. It's good to see you. And I'm really glad to be here with you on 880, 880 The Biz, uh, right here in, uh, in uh, Coral Gables in Miami, and a little bit in uh, Broward County. Good to have you here. If you're driving home, take it easy. Kind of a nice day out, warm, hot, typical uh, dog days of summer. Not too bad, though. There's a few clouds. Uh, the temperature's down a little bit from what it would usually be here. Yeah. it's. Uh, well, listen, we're already towards, this is it. I mean, this is the end of August. Yeah, we're getting out of the worst part. We're, so now we're, you know, a heck of a lot better than being in May. You know, now it's going to be migrating into September before you hit. It's October, and starting in October, you, every now and then you get a hint of a change, don't you? It's got, it's got a little coolness. Every Only a hint, then. though, nothing more. Nothing more. By the end of October, it has changed. So we're, you know, we're only a couple of, you know, 60 days to tolerate this stuff, and hopefully uh, the tropics stay good, for, good to us, along with this El Nino thing. Anyway, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. A couple of interesting things you might want to know about uh, related to the show today before we kind of get into uh, the, um, the meat of the matter. Uh, number one, we're going to have Mark Frobos come back on the show today, and he's uh, America's best-known language expert and uh, has all sorts of books out and been all over the Internet and on television shows, radio shows. Uh, behind the wheel series, and and he's really big with Macmillan Audio of, out of New York City. Uh, he is the foreign language spokesperson. How do you like that? Foreign language spokesperson. How many languages do you speak? Me? Yeah. Um, uh, English, and I can do Spanish. Oh, you can? Yeah, oh, I, I took I took Spanish starting in um, uh, junior high and high school, and then I had to take it through college through my master's degree. I, I took Spanish. Yes, hey, so that's really big down here. You need that. Well, you know, in upstate New York, I never thought I would need it, so I wrote, memorized the whole thing, and as soon as I took my test, I forgot it. Yeah. The, the worst way to learn a language is to say, you know, all right, now I'm going to study my AR, my ER, my IR, my yeah. Modismo. And that's how they teach you in be. school. Well, that's what we did back in the 60s, yeah. you know, in the 70s. So, and then as soon as I left Syracuse, I said, well, I'm never going to need this anymore, and I forgot the whole thing, and then what do I do? I moved to Miami. I moved to South Florida, and the next thing I know, I'm in, you know, the gateway to Latin America. And, uh, and and to make matters even crazier for me, I mean, I do a magazine. I, I start a magazine called Latin Trade, which was all over Latin America and the United States for trade between the United States and Latin America and Latin CEOs. I needed my Spanish, and I had to come back. But it's in there. So I had to, you know, the best thing to do, go there. The best thing to oh, do. Oh, it's really the only way. Go there, yeah. and you force yourself uh, to actually Because if there's nothing else, if there's no English around you, you're forced to learn that language. Yeah, really. you got to learn it because you don't have to go to the bathroom. So it's very, very important. But anyway, Mark, we're going to ask him. He'll be here at about 10 minutes after the hour. Mark knows a bunch of languages. And he also, what I find interesting about Mark, and I want you to pay attention to this, folks, when, uh, when we get him on the show, that art and culture and travel and politics and the whole full gamut, language is really important. And, and more so now, now that we're such a global society, and the fact that Miami, South Florida, is a true gateway city into not just Latin America, but we have a lot of the Europeans coming here to get into Latin America. We have more flights in and out of Latin America than any airport in the world, right here in Miami. So as a result of that, we have all the beyond route flights that are coming here from Asia and coming here from Europe and, uh, and, and for other, obviously other parts of you know, North America. So uh, uh, language is important, and we're going to have Mark here. We're going to be talking about that. But, but um, then after Mark, we're going to have Alex Kirkin, uh, is um, uh, <clears throat> the partner in law firm of Kirkin Brandis 
uh, right here in, in Miami, and he works with auto dealers throughout the state and helps Florida Dealers Association and, you know, drafting new uh, proposals for legislation and so forth. Really smart. And, of course, we want to talk about some of the things that are occurring in the auto industry. Every day we're hearing about cash for clunkers, you know, cash for clunkers. People saying, hey, if you've got a car that's more than 12 years old and you can bring it in and you can do whatever, you know, what, what happened with cash for clunkers? You know, we knew that they had the Congress appropriated a billion dollars. That ended in about two hours. And then they came back with another $2 billion, and that lasted about, what, eight days, ten stupid days? Stupid is, stupid does, sir. You betcha. And uh, exactly. And now it's ending at, uh, I think, uh, it ended. You know, what was it, 8 o'clock last night or 8 o'clock tonight? It ended either yesterday yeah. or today. Sounded like quite a success, you know? Yeah, I mean, AutoNation opted out of it, but after a while, the New York Dealers Association for Auto Dealerships opted out of it. Um, about $20,000 in checks went out for the federal government against 458,000 cars. And I know Alan, Alex will know the numbers better than I will, but I'm pretty sure it's pretty close to 458,000 cars that were sold with anywhere between $3,500 to $4,500 of cash that's supposed to go to the dealerships. And it kind of got whacked out. So we're going to talk about that. And then really exciting, uh, on the second half of the show today, uh, after the 5.30 break, um, we're going to have uh, the mayor of Homestead calling in, uh, Mayor Linda Bell. That's L-Y-N-D-A for those of you who really want to know all about Linda. But Linda uh, Bell is the mayor of Homestead. She's been there for three decades, a terrific human being. I met her a few weeks ago uh, down in Homestead. And by the way, I was down in Homestead, which is not something I do every day, and I was amazed by what's gone on down there. I mean, I haven't been down there since basically Andrew. I went down there about a year ago, and I, I share the same feelings. It's amazing. It's totally different now. It is. It is. They've done. I mean, yeah. Linda's done a phenomenal job. Yeah. And nice little downtown there and everything. Uh, well, I, there are so many plazas, but you know we'll save this so we can have this conversation with Linda. And of course, Linda is running, uh, you know, for uh, re-election, and we're going to talk about that. She is a uh, very dynamic individual, and, and and I'm really happy to have met her. I want you to know that. So that that's exciting, and we're going to talk about that. But let, let's, you know, we have, what do we have? A minute? Oh yeah, about God. forty-five seconds. Forty-five seconds. Time's so, flying. All right. So when we get back, we're going to come right back, and we and uh, we'll have Mark Frobos, uh, the uh, the language expert. He's going to be our official. Thank you, thank you. The official expert and language contributor to the Rich Rothman Show. So we're kind of excited about that. Subtitles so, available or no? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, just look at your radio closely, except those of you who are driving your car. We don't want you to do that. I'm sure we're going to have those soon, subtitles on the radio. But don't you think language is important if you're driving here in Miami? I mean, Definitely. no one gets along. No. We have the best road rage in the world. Maybe if we spoke the language to each other, hey, we wouldn't have so much road rage. I think Miami is actually the birthplace of road rage. We are always in the top three or five, uh, yeah. depending on any year. I, I try to rage. contribute to the average. I really do. And it's kind of exciting. You know, you can rate it 1 to 10 for violence. That's pretty good. We're going to be right back on the Rich Rothman Show on 880 The Biz. Stay right there. We'll have a little fun with you. Cultural understanding and international trade. Every year, the ITC leads two business development missions to countries that have the potential to increase trade with our community through Miami International Airport or the Port of Miami. The ITC is the official county agency charged with the development of this trade and functions as an umbrella organization or clearinghouse for other trade development efforts within the county. Our vision is to promote and strengthen Miami-Dade County's excellent business climate 
strong international financial services, and rich cultural diversity, making it the logical platform. It's amazing. It feels like a month since we've had a show. It's only been a week. I, 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 well, I, was, I mean, it's been two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel the same way, though? It feels, feels like forever. That's why, that's why like, I, I, I called you today just to make sure we're having a show because it seemed like it's been so long. You know what? I really wish I could do my show again five days a week. Seaboard Marine. Hey, you know, I'd love to help you out if you could. That provides direct well, well, what about like a two or three day a week type things? Does it have to be five days? No. But it was kind of cool Seaboard being five o'clock every day. Yeah, hold on, Mark's coming. Nearly 25 years. Calling her now. Has okay. enabled it to expand into new markets. Now serving nearly 40 ports in over 20 countries. Seaboard Marine's facilities include a private terminal of nearly 70 acres at the Port of Miami. Seaboard Marine carries more cargo to and from the Port of Miami than any other carrier. Although this facility complies with and exceeds all governmental security mandates, it operates seven days a week, 365 days a year, a unique convenience for its customers. Seaboard Marine serves these routes from Miami, Bahamas, Grand Cayman, Colombia, Dominican Republic, Eastern Caribbean, Haiti, Jamaica, North Central America, South Central America, Venezuela, and the West Coast of South America, including Peru, Chile, Bolivia. Seaboard Marine, a trade leader in the Western Hemisphere. Should commodities be part of your investment portfolio in 2009? What might be the performance for commodities in 2009? Where are the energy prices going? Is the bearish trend coming to an end in the U.S. dollar? Should I own gold or silver? Will the cost of food go up or oh, down? Oh, when Mark is on, These let's start with uh, uh, Julie and Julia. Cool. You All right. Uh, you're going to have to give me a, a second for that because I'm using you know, the CD player for both. So I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'll am gonna, i come in with the song and then I'll switch CDs real quick. But just, you know. Okay. Did you want to toss to it or just want me to play it? Just play it. All right, yeah, no, I'll throw it in there. Okay. Or advise you on a partial asset allocation with a commodity trading advisor with an established track record. In this volatile economy, it is more important than ever to have a diversified portfolio. Find out more on commodity investments. He's ready to go, by the way. Okay, cool. Make sure I stay to about 10 minutes with him and let me know when the Alex gets on the phone. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, just uh, keep going until we know we have Alex on the phone. Because, you know, there's always a chance Alex might be late, so you don't want to cut off Mark early. Tools that can help with your investment decisions. Call Matt Bradbart, President, MB Wealth at 954-929-9997 for all the details. MB Wealth, a full-service commodity firm. Risk of loss in trading commodity futures and options can be substantial. All funds committed should be purely risk capital. Past performance is no guarantee of future trading results. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Rothman. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL, customer service is back to shipping. From Atlantic Radio Network. This is the Rich Rothman Show. I wash my hands of this business. The Rich Rothman Show.com. You've been messing around. They say you got a boyfriend. You're up late every weekend. They're talking about you and it's bringing me down. Okay, welcome back. It's 11 minutes after the hour of five. Good to have you here on 880 The Biz, right here in downtown Coral Gables. Uh, a lot of people say Miami, but I happen to like Coral Gables as well. And um, good to have you here if you're driving home. Take it easy. Take it slow. Use the express lane. It works great. Glad to have you with us. On the phone right now, Mark Frobos. Hey, Mark, how are you? Hey, Rich. How are you doing? All right. What city are you in today, Mark? 
Okay, I'm in Champaign, Illinois, uh, the University of Illinois. All right. So is, is it is it very hot up there or no? Uh, well, actually, you know, Rich, it's kind of cool today. It's uh, we, we went out on the lake and did a little bit of sailing, and uh, it's about 80, 82 degrees. It's pretty cool. How about down there? Uh, what would you say, Alex? Uh, definitely upper 80s. Upper some 80s humidity, today, yeah. right now, because yeah, we had definitely. some clouds come in. Yeah. We've been running about 95, 94 degrees, 93 degrees. Yeah, definitely mid-90s. hot summer. Very hot summer, yeah. Ate mucho calor. There you go. See, you're Spanish. Ate mucho calor. Mucho calor. Si. No está bien. Mucho calor. Ay, caramba. Anyway, good to have you here. Mark, the big question people were asking us, and Alex, who has a very inquiring mind, by the way, wants to know, how many languages do you speak? Okay, I speak five languages fluently, and then I speak a number of others, uh, you know, a smattering or actually kind of get by in other languages as well. Um, but my, my major languages are Spanish, French, Italian, and Portuguese, and, of course, English, and then other languages that I, you know, uh, I'm able to converse in or get by in. And I was just going to say something. You know, Rich, your Spanish sounds extraordinarily good. Uh, are well, you... there's a reason for that. Now, let me explain the, 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 the history of my Spanish because it's really perverse. I started out in uh, – <laughs> this is really exciting. People just trying to read home. the Taco Bell menu is just, how mine started. No, really. Seventh grade, Mrs. L- Miss Learman. I remember her because she was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. So I was starstruck in, uh, in seventh grade with Miss Learman. So we had this Jewish New York lady teaching us como esta. Then when I got into high school – then I had Mr. Cohn in ninth grade, skipped eighth grade. Um, then in high school, I had Mr. Malario in tenth grade. He was Cuban. So all we talked about was the Cuban Missile Crisis. And we learned Cuban Spanish. Um, then I had uh, Ms. Clay, who was from Spain. And Ms. Clay had a whole different Spanish for me. Then I wound up in college uh, taking Spanish. And I had uh, a Tex-Mex guy uh, out of, obviously, the border towns of Texas. And he had, you know, como esta, y'all. I mean, he had a real southern Texas twang. And then the following year, I wound up. Uh, taking Spanish from his wife. He married a Mexican lady, and she had Mexican Spanish. I mean, it was like a hodgepodge of Spanish. You know, thank God I didn't have an Argentine, because then I would be a snob. I know. You know, I'll tell you what. I think it must have been a real letdown to have gone from um, from, from the really, you know, pretty teacher to, to the Texas guy with the twang. I mean, that, might, that, must, that must have been quite a letdown. I don't know. But, but, but you know, Mark, the, the reality of it is I'm a street kid from New York, so New York had, you know, we also had Puerto Rican Spanish, which was a whole, it was Spanish with an attitude. Yeah, you know, definitely. In fact, Puerto Rican Spanish is interesting because the R's are kind of pronounced like an L. So instead of saying Puerto Rico, they don't say Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. And that comes, there's a linguistic reason for that. Now, I don't know if you want to hear about that or yeah, not. Yeah, let's hear it. Come on, Mark. You're, well, you're our contributor on this. Well, basically, you know, uh, the Spanish spoken in Latin America is, uh, is sort of like Castellano Andalus. It's, it's, it's Castilian Spanish from the province of Andalusia. Uh, from, in Mexico, it was from the 16th century, but, when, but Puerto Rico, more the 17th century. And there was a change in pronunciation. When I say Andalusia, I'm referring to the southernmost province of Spain. And Andalusia means Spain in Arabic. And keep in mind that uh, uh, Spain was conquered by the Arabs and actually, uh, under Islamic Spain, remained an Islamic country for about 800 years, during which time the sound ha, or the jota sound, was brought to Spain as part of... Um, you know, and, the, and, and to this day, uh, Spanish remains the only Romance language with that sound. 
So anyway, there's a difference in, in migration patterns. Mexico was settled about, let's just put it this way, linguistically the sounds that were pronounced in Andalusia in the 16th century are prevalent in Mexico, and those which were pronounced in the 17th century in Andalusia are pronounced in the Antilles, or the Antillas, as they are referred to, which would be Cuba, Puerto Rico, and so forth. And that explains why they say the L for the R, and uh, because it's sort of like an aberration of, of pronunciation from that era. Wow, that is terrific. Well, <laughs> I don't want to go. <laughs> no, that's just that's just so wonderful because now we understand the difference. But you know, when you're in Miami, Mark, and you're going to have to come down here next winter, you should come down here when it's a deal. lousy uh, weather uh, where uh, you I'll are. Accept, I'll accept unconditionally. Yeah, you need to come here and, and come on the show with us. But, um, you know, we have different Spanishes here. I mean, we have a whole contingency of Nicaraguans. You know, we have a whole contingency of Colombians, Venezuelans, and, of course, Argentine, because Argentina has a whole different attitude about the language and their culture. Let me, let's, let's talk for a second. It's important. Number one, language today, and particularly in the summertime, you know, it always seems to be an attractive to language in the summer because people obviously take vacations. And, uh, and, and language can make or break a trip, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. In fact, you know what, uh, Rich, there's no better way to enjoy a trip than by speaking the language of the host country. It, you connect with people in an amazing way, in a way that you could never connect with them otherwise if you didn't speak their language. And that's a great way to travel. I mean, there's just nothing like it. It, it adds flavor to the trip. You learn, you learn more about where to go, where to eat, and, and you break down that cultural barrier. I mean, how would you feel if someone came up to you and spoke to you in Japanese? And they want to know where to go in Coral Gables or Miami. And they didn't even take time to ask you a couple of questions in English. And Don't you appreciate it when someone spends a couple of seconds trying to learn your language? Yeah, no, I, th I think it's good. And, and I think it's nice that somebody would try. I know I was in Tahiti once in Papayete back in the 80s. And, and I literally got into uh, just about a fist fight in a French restaurant. It was called the Acajou Restaurant, right downtown Papayete, right along where the boats, you know, the sailboats are docked. Great allegedly great French restaurant, but I had such a problem with the waiter, uh, one, because I really probably bastardized the language totally. I, I mean, he had, well, how could you say that? You know, he was so upset with me. You know, and here I, in the 80s, I'm much younger than I was today, and I was probably an arrogant little son of a gun, and, and it didn't work, and it kind of ruined our experience in Papayete as I basically had to run out of the restaurant. So it, wasn't, it was not a good experience for me. But, you know, you have a series... Um, which I've taken a look at, and we're going to talk a lot about this over the next few weeks, called Behind the Wheel. And I think this can really help a lot of people who are about to go into another country. Tell me about that. Well, you know, it's funny. I just received um, an email from a satisfied customer who went and actually bought Behind the Wheel French and Italian before going on a trip to Europe this summer um, and was able to converse with the natives and it said that uh, they owed the success of their trip to the fact that they had tried behind-the-wheel Spanish and behind-the-wheel French. And the key behind it is basically that we have a, uh, a simplified method of learning how to speak the language. I mean, I actually uh, created a method whereby you could create your own sentences. You could actually express yourself quickly and easily with natives and be instantly understood, which is the key to communicative competence. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's what the program's all about. So say you're going to learn French and you wanted to speak to that arrogant, uh, you know, French waiter in Papete, perhaps, uh, you know, just being able to say a few basic things to him in French would have helped you out a little bit. And, 
you know, maybe would have increased communication, maybe would have had a better experience, and so forth. And, and that's what happens when we travel abroad. When we go abroad and we've got a basic idea of how to say what we want and, and, and what our intentions are and, and, and make friends in the foreign language, the trip goes much better. Well, you know, you are one of those rare guys in the world who, who you created a series of, um, of audio books, so to speak, uh, in, in a program that obviously you, know, you became very successful with it because Macmillan, one of the largest publishers in the world, picked it up, and now you're an official spokesman for Macmillan. And, uh, and Behind the Wheel is the series. And I look at it, looks like you could, you know, if you know you're going to go on a vacation in X number of weeks, you know, you could take this uh, program, and, and I think you can pick up enough that you can, you, it's linguistically comfortable and easy, don't you think? It's very linguistically comfortable and easy, and it's, it, it basically gives you the linguistic competence and confidence that you need to communicate with native speakers of the language, and I mean quickly. I mean, even a 10-minute exchange with a behind-the-wheel language program, be it Spanish, French, Italian, Mandarin, Chinese, you'll be able to hit the streets and actually use this stuff. You're going to be able to say, for example, in French, I'm hungry, j'ai faim, or I want to eat, je veux manger. Or you could transfer it over and, and do the behind the wheel Italian, the behind the wheel Italian, and say, you know, uh, I want uh, I want to go, voglio andare, okay, uh, or I want to go now, voglio andare adesso, or in Spanish, quiero ir, I want to go, right? Uh, it, it's it, these things, Rich drove me nuts when I was trying to learn languages because nobody, and I mean, and nobody, I don't, regardless of whether I was studying at the university level, high school level, I mean, I wasn't even allowed to take a French class in middle school and junior high because my math scores are too low. I mean, give me a break. And so I, I based my life on learning, on learning how to speak languages, and when I finally figured out how it was done, out of my enthusiasm for the simplicity of what it could be, I decided to develop this method called Behind the Wheel so that everybody can learn how to speak a second language quickly and easily. Um, and, and the time that's left, because i got to wrap up now, Mark. Um, okay. I have about 10 minutes. Uh, where do they get the series? Because I think it's a very cool series. How do they do it? Okay. Basically, what you do is uh, go anywhere where audio is sold, including uh, you know, uh, Macmillan Audio, M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N, audio.com, Amazon.com. Audible. You can go to a brick-and-mortar store. Uh, go to any uh, Barnes & Noble, um, you know, and they'll have the book. Uh, or they'll have the entire course. And it does come with a little booklet as well. Typically eight CDs. Just ask for Behind the Wheel and then the language you want, and it's available. Okay, and this is terrific. And, and, and you have a website that they can go to. Yes, absolutely. Check my website out at www.frobos.com, and that's F like Frank, R-O, and then Bose, like Bose headphones, frobose.com. And I've got free language tips for you there. And you can order, I've got links to Amazon and to Macmillan there, so you can order a course if you'd like. Well, that's terrific. Listen, when we get back in, in next week or the week after, and we'll talk in the interim, uh, let's just, I want to start talking about specific. Let's talk about art. You know, wouldn't it be great to go to an art museum, let's say, in, in the Prado? And, and understand the language, which means you understand the politics of the time that the painting was done. It would be great. So That'd let's talk awesome. about art, culture, and language when we get back. Mark? Okay, it sounds great. be great having you on the show, and thanks for coming today. I appreciate it. Okay, gracias, amigo. Thank All you right, hasta luego. Ciao. Uh, love, love, his program is phenomenal. It, it's a terrific thing. And, and i got to tell you, going to another country and, and knowing the language, it, it, woof. 
changes the whole trip. I for can you. imagine. You know, it just makes it better. Uh, all right, so I'm I'm glad that he was here. Good to have Mark with us. Uh, let's let's um, maybe we, do we have any music that we could play right now, or let's let's do something with cars. We could do that. Give me one second, right? Well, I was actually uh, over prepared. I was taking it out. Oh, God. Anyway, um, on the phone right now is Alex Kirkin. Alex, how are you? Alex, there. Alex, are you there? Yes, I am. All right. There's Alex Kirkin of the law firm of Kirkin Brandis. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. All right. Terrific. We're going to play a little Beatle music for you. Just get him in the mood. Get him in the mood. There you go. Okay, uh, Alex, I'm so glad you're here today. You know, there's been a lot of discussion talking about cars in the last uh, week or so in the uh, Cash for Clunkers program. So we should point out a little bit first who you are. And Alex Kirkin is from the law firm I mentioned, Kirkin Brandis. And, uh, and you work with auto dealers throughout the state in uh, the state of Florida, as well Outside as the, the Florida. Well. And where? Outside the state as well. Oh, that's terrific. And, and you, uh, you also work closely with the Florida Auto Dealers Association. Yes, I do. So th- that's wonderful. So you're the guy to talk to. We want to understand what's your take on this cash for clunkers. You know, we're not hearing very good things about it. One, on one hand, we're saying, well, about 458,000 cars were sold under this program. But on the other hand, we're hearing, like, the New York State Dealers Association opted out the other day. Uh, they can't get their money. AutoNation stopped early because they, they were having trouble getting the paperwork in on time. You know, we're hearing that auto dealers are now, you know, this is alleged on the news yesterday that they're going to start charging the customer the 3500 or the 4500 They can't get their money. Less than uh, $21,000 was released as of the other day. Alex, what's going on here? Well, to the extent that you agree with the concept of a bailout, this was probably the better bailout solution. However, the implementation of it was, as you would expect, poorly done. Uh, The government just can't seem to understand how business works, and when they try to get too involved in business, as they did here, we find that they fail and fail and fail. Uh, First, you have a uh, a simple concept for which they created 136 pages of rules. Uh, you know, he was had to, right. yeah, had that to sounds like you need your accountant for that. Oh my God! And then not even the rules were complete, so dealers would have to upload uh, a, a, a Adobe images of certain components of the various documents that the customers sign when they purchase a car. Now the rules don't say that you have to name the documents a certain way, and if you didn't happen to arbitrarily get it right, they would kick it back out and put you back at the end of the line. The end of the line meant that you were going to even be further delayed in getting paid. The rule says you're supposed to get paid in 10 days. No one's getting paid, and they were near 10 days, even if they got everything right. They keep on having to extend the deadline to submit the paperwork. It was supposed to be yesterday at 8, then they made it first, then they made it today at noon, and then they pushed it back to 8 o'clock today, and now they're saying they have to push it back again because they continue to have technical difficulties. I mean, I can go to Walmart and process a coupon or a voucher with no problem, but the government just can't seem to, to get it right. Well, you know, what, what's really interesting, and this is, this is the thing that, that intrigues me, and we've been talking about this for weeks now. Can you, and this is only for, I may have the number off by one or two, it's about 458,000 cars as of the other day? Something well, like that. we still don't know what the total number is. It, it could very well be above that in the 500,000. Okay, so let's say, let's say, let's, let's give them 600,000 cars. That's only 600,000 individual transactions that need to be processed by the government. What really scares me, Alex, 
is that can you imagine if the government ran our health care program with 300 million people under a single-payer system and they've got to handle the checks going to whomever? That's a scary thought. But when, when you're dealing with, with the—now, with the, uh, you represent the auto dealerships. You know, uh, yeah. what, what sort of a feedback are you getting from your clients? Well, I mean, it's a mixed bag. They like the fact that they have traffic and activity. They're moving from inventory, which has been growing rather stale because there hadn't been a lot of traffic. Let's face it, consumer confidence is down, down substantially. So they needed a little optimism. Uh, but right now what they're dealing with is they sold a lot of cars. They're down on inventory, so they can't really sell very much going forward until the factories gear up again because they had cut production down. And to make it worse, they don't have money. They're cash poor because they haven't been funded on these vouchers. They're going well beyond 10 days. So I have, I have clients that have sold. One of them has sold about 1,300 vehicles That's on that lot. program. And uh, you know, it's more than one dealer. This is a group of under one ownership. Right. And they've only gotten paid on about six of them which means they fronted a few million dollars that they're essentially guaranteeing Obama's promise. And uh, after 10 days came and went and they didn't get paid, you know, they're not feeling very good about the situation, which is why some dealers said, we can't afford to stay in this program because it's going to put us out of business because we have to pay our electric bill and they're not going to wait till we get the voucher money. Well, not only that, I mean, when someone buys a car, obviously, we've all bought many cars over the years, you know, it's got to be paid for. And, and, and I presume the cash has to be transacted. So what happens when someone goes to get a, goes to get a car and, and that clunker check is not around? There's a hole in the deal, isn't there? There's an, the, there absolutely is. Now, some of the manufacturers, like Hyundai, for instance, which recognize that it might get a lot of the benefit of this program, has given dealers essentially a, a line of credit for these amounts. Uh, expecting that they're going to get reimbursed when the dealer gets paid. So some of the factories have tried to find workout solutions, but the reason that you mentioned that the New York State Dealers Associations and others said that they're going to opt out is because they couldn't afford to stay in any longer, coupled with the fact that the rule wasn't so clear about when dealers were going to get paid through, meaning were they going to find out when the $3 billion had been spent, and what if you took in that deal after the $3 billion was spent, but before yesterday's APM deadline, were you going to get paid? So because the government was so backed up and no one really knew how much money was already spent in the pipeline, people were concerned, Can, will I get paid on this next deal? And that was part of the confusion that the government failed to consider when they put this rule out there. I mean, there were so many other opportunities for them to try and figure out how to, how to do this right. The manufacturers have sales rebate programs all the time. They advertise it. $7,000 for rebates, $5,000 customer Sure, of course. Rebates. They should have just given this obligation to the factories. It would have had almost zero incremental cost, but instead they went ahead and created a whole new division for a one-time opportunity. Some money will have been spent for no long-term prospects. Uh, so they created more bureaucracy where, where none was needed. You know, maybe it would have been easier just to give a tax credit. Well, it, 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 certainly all the paperwork uh, was uh, – it, it was substantial. First they said, uh, we need you to kill the, the, the trade-in immediately. Pour this glass, this glass silicon down into the engine and render it inoperable. Now they start to reject deals, and what do you do? You can't call the customer back and say, take your dead trade-in. <laughs> no, this work. is – you know, it's all in the, the way things are done. And, and what scares me is that a 31-year-old guy who just graduated from Yale came up with this program 
you know, for cash for clunkers, and and uh, but but they didn't do the follow through. It's always in the follow through. Well, listen, I got I have a hard break coming up. I got to go, but I want to have you back on the show. You're going to become our expert for a while on on cars and the automobile dealerships that are down here because we want to know what's happening with them. Big manufacturing sector of the United States. We need to know what's happening. Alex, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you at any time. Okay, you take care. We're going to be right back on the Rich Rothman Show on 880. The biz don't go anywhere. that every port user can conduct uh, Linda just called. She's calling back in about three minutes. She's staying through the break. A new terminal that is larger than some mid-sized U.S. airports. The new Miami International Airport. A new 350-space ground-level short-term parking lot. The new Miami International Airport. The only U.S. airport with sleep pods. The new Miami International Airport. The international gateway to the Americas with more flights to South America than all U.S. airports combined. The new Miami International Airport. And coming soon, 61 new retail and food shops to add to your airport savoir-faire. Come experience the new Miami International Airport and watch us move towards the future. The new Miami International Airport. Where in South Florida can you find a truly elegant hotel with 276 luxury guest rooms offering a newly renovated championship golf course, tennis courts, the largest hotel swimming pool in the country with private poolside cabanas, a world-class spa, and an award-winning fitness center with a restaurant that Zagat called one of the best restaurants in the country, all spread over a 150-acre tropical paradise landscape. Give up? At Biltmore Coral Gables, Miami, a golf and spa resort. Built in 1926, Biltmore Coral Gables, Miami, the golf and spa resort, is a South Florida landmark. With all the amenities to make your next getaway weekend or night away from the kids a memorable experience. Visit www.biltmorehotel.com for more information or call 1-800-747-1926 for reservations. Your next great getaway weekend, or night out, awaits you at Biltmore Coral Gables, Miami, a golf and spa resort. Do you own a business outsourcing your accounting? Then call the accounting and tax experts at TNJ Tax Service. For over 30 years, TNJ Tax Service has been preparing taxes for South Florida companies and individuals. As enrolled agents with the Internal Revenue Service, the pros at TNJ Tax Service can represent you or your company professionally to the IRS. Have challenges with your company's bookkeeping? Then call TNJ Tax Services. QuickBooks certified. TNJ Tax Services can provide training on QuickBooks for any small business. If you need monthly or quarterly bookkeeping services to handle all of your payroll and business needs, then you need to call TNJ and J Tax Service, located at Taft and Flamingo in the Pillbox Plaza. Call 954-432-1700. 954-432-1700. TNJ Tax Services. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Rock. <coughs> and no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL. Customer service is back in shipping. Your news, your entertainment, your business. The following program is intended for mature audiences. Oh, righty then. This is the Rich...
Okay, we care, though. Welcome back to the Rich Rothman Show on 880 The Biz. It's 35, 36 minutes after the hour. Good to have you here. Uh, take it easy on the last part of the show. Uh, we're going to have um, the mayor of Homestead on the line just a minute or two, Linda Bell. We'll be glad to have her and talk about what's going on in Homestead. Uh, but we'll go into that in a second. You know, it's very interesting, Alex. Today, the uh, actually, the numbers last night came out uh, that uh, the, the, uh, the budget deficits, as projected by the Obama administration uh, and uh, the Congressional Budget Office, are, are much worse than they ever anticipated. Um, what is wrong with you people? I know. I don't understand what's wrong with them either. But uh, the, uh, while the figures released by the White House was about uh, $9 trillion deficit from 2010 to 2019, it is now $2 trillion more than the administration estimated in May. Let's say that again. $9 trillion deficit from 2010 to 2019. Can, can I can't take it anymore. That's a lot of cake. Two trillion more than the administration estimated in May, the congressional budget analysts put the ten-year figure at a lower $7.14 trillion deficit. Can you comprehend that? Can That's you even, a slight mistake. Do you have any idea what, what what's going to face this country with the this the spending? I'd rather not know. It is just it is just massively scary right now. That's going to put us in such a bad situation uh, in terms of dealing. The problem we're going to have is that we're going to have to service this debt. We're going to have an inflationary spiral coming up in the next few years as the as the uh, the economy starts to expand again. You're going to have to control that by raising interest rates, but you can't raise the interest rates too much because you've got to have things cooking in the United States t- to make the budgets, to make things work, to get the economy going. And you're going to have this oxymoric relationship, almost like an algebraic or algebraic expression. Where uh, do you slow things down? Do you slow down credit? Do you not slow down credit? How are we going to service this this trillion dollars and trillion dollars debt? More debt than we've ever had in the history of the United States? Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. I know, and that's that's the, that's a big big problem. And 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 the the question is, as we we're explained, uh, this is going back to the budget that was established a few weeks ago. Not even with the with the additional two trillion dollars that they're talking about now. That by um, uh, tw- just before 2020, 2019, eighty six percent of the GDP will go for servicing the debt. And by twenty twenty six, it's projected a few weeks ago, or actually about a month ago, it'll be a hundred and thirteen percent to service uh, the debt of the GDP. And that's basically unsustainable, basically unsustainable. But uh, and that's a scary. I mean, that is that's a catastrophe on its way to attack us. And that's that's what's scaring America. Seventy two percent of America says that the economy is the most important thing that's scaring them right now. And they haven't got a very warm, fuzzy feel for the administration right now at all. They do not feel that the the Obama administration has it under control. You know, it's very scary. Uh, but anyway, what isn't scary is uh, the mayor of uh, uh, Homestead. We have a wonderful person on the phone. Uh, mayor Linda Bell, welcome to the show. Hey, good evening. Good evening, Linda. How are you down there in Homestead? Excellent, excellent. I just got home a little while. We had a Robert's Tools of Order workshop all day. Aha! Uh-huh. Well, you know, um, uh, Mayor Bell is the, obviously, mayor, but is the mayor of Homestead. And what's very interesting, from my point of view, is that here is Homestead. Now, you've been there for three decades, right? Yes. Homestead is, is, you know, at the southern tip of Dade County. It's just before you jump into the Keys, so we all pass by home. Everyone knows where Homestead is. Everyone 
everyone drives through it, right? Everyone drives through it. Everyone gets gasoline. Everyone stops off. Everyone stops off on the way back to get their tomatoes at Roberts and stuff like that. I mean, this is my wife has this, you know, a tropism. We're going north. We have to turn left and go up to Roberts and fill up the car with, you know, four hundred dollars worth of fruit and vegetables. That's Absolutely. basically what goes and on. Milkshake. Don't forget the milkshake. And and the milkshake at, at at Roberts and what are the other two places that we talked about? Oh, there's uh, Noss Ferry Farms on two forty eighth, right before Homestead. And then there's also Burr's on Hayland Mill, which I, is 16th. Burr's is the one I didn't know about, and I'm going to have to go try that out in the next week or so, and I'm going to report back to you on what I think. But I find interesting about Homestead is that Homestead is known throughout the, the, almost the world for sure, but certainly with the, throughout the United States, because the, this, this lovely, wonderful, beautiful, country-esque community was literally ripped apart back in the early 90s in 92, yep. and everybody knew the word Homestead. That's right. You know, you became... Actually, the anniversary was just yesterday. I know. And then, um, all right, now I have to, it begs the question, uh, Mayor, where were you during the hurricane? I was in a home, and uh, my home was pretty devastated. We were actually in the home during the storm, uh, because I'm a Floridian. I'm a native Floridian, so I thought like everybody else, you ride out the storm in your homes, big puff of wind comes through, and you're fine. So I was, the, you know, the brave soul that was actually ended up being the foolish soul. And uh, we were there. We rebuilt our home, stayed there, and I um, have been in the house I'm in now since 2001, but we completely rebuilt the home. In fact, my family and my city was featured on Storm Stories on the Weather Channel, and they featured our family's story just last month. And uh, so let me add, you know, they said not a lot of people got hurt in that storm for some right? reason. I mean, that's, exactly. you know, a lot of people don't believe that, but, you know, I, I know for a fact, I went down looking for my, my administrative assistant who worked for me for many years. Her house was down pretty close to where we were at your, at your office the other day, and I couldn't find her block. I couldn't find anything on US-1 that would tell me where to turn. I have never seen anything like it, but you know what else I haven't seen like it? The way Homestead has come back. Absolutely. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that Certainly. because I was so I haven't been through downtown Homestead. I mean, I, obviously for years, and then all of a sudden I'm there a couple of weeks ago uh, for a, a, a wonderful event that was held at the Country Club for you, Thank and you. then secondly, uh, I was there the other day to to say hello to you, and I am so impressed with what's happened with Homestead. Can we talk a little bit about the economic development of Homestead? Oh, absolutely. That's one of my favorite topics. Yay! Go ahead. Yes. What we've seen, and I would say it took the city of Homestead about 10 years to recover. And I think around 2002 was, it actually was around 2002 that we saw the building boom in Homestead. But the building boom at the time was on the residential side. And we actually were guilty of a bit of an overbuilding, if you will, on the residential side, which actually I fought for some common sense in residential building and actually would, would lose that battle when I was the minority on the council. But then what followed is this commercial boom and we have been so supportive of the commercial boom so supportive of the commercial endeavors that have come into our town just this past year we have i mean literally well let's just say the, the just the last two years we saw the opening of lowe's we uh, uh the lowe's uh hardware stores the super lowe's and within just within the past few months we've had a longhorn steakhouse open an olive garden open we just approved plans for the new um um, Red Lobster. We now we saw the Coles open, the Sports Authority, the Bed Bath and Beyond open, the new Rack Room Shoe Store, Staples. I mean, I could Ross the Ross, brand new Ross Dress for Less. I mean, I could just go on and on. 
and we are in a great commercial boom. And we are, the city of Homestead has been very, very supportive and trying to actually entice many businesses and be a very commercial-friendly city. And we are seeing the, the, the fruits of that labor. Well, what that really means is, is that uh, if, if those numbers are coming into your neighborhood, they, they've done their homework. I mean, I, I remember my, my dad uh, years ago was, was in retail. He was a buyer of drugs and cosmetics for Gimbel's for many, many years, 31 years. Then he retired, came to Florida. He retired for about 18 hours, and he knew Jack Eckert. And Jack Ecker got a hold of my dad and said, Morris, you, you really don't want to retire, do you? And he goes, well, no. I, you know, he, my dad worked every day all his life. So he went back working for Eckert, and he started going around uh, finding areas and developing areas for Eckert drugs uh, to go in along with um, – uh, they used to go in when Publix would go in, Eckert would go in. Certainly. And so I understood that they would do all these analyses. For you to get all these different stores to go in, they've done their analysis. They're Absolutely. not going to put a store, you know, Red Lobster's not going to go up there because they said, God, it would look nice down here, you know, lobster, fishing, of boats. Course. They and went I, there because they believe in you. That's right. And not only that, the adage that retail follows rooftops is very, very true. But retail following rooftops is, is a true adage, but it has to be the right types of rooftops. It has to be the rooftops that are going to spend the dollars in their particular stores, in their particular restaurants. It has to be a, uh, a community that's willing to embrace them. And we have worked with our retail to do um, the, the local preference of hiring and work with job fairs, and I mean, on and on and on. And so we are so delighted and so pleased. And one of the first things I did, uh, just a little less than two years ago when I was elected mayor, I did a developer workshop to let the developers know that we were a developer uh, commercial-friendly city to come on in, and we handed them a packet with a CD and how to do business in Homestead. And that was the whole focus of this event. How do you do business in Homestead on the commercial end, on the retail commercial side? So uh, when you talk about your mission, and, 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 and let's talk for a second. Number one, the, in terms of, of the rooftops, you're continuing to build. I know one of my old partners was, was um, a major developer. I'm not going to use his name up here went down to uh, Homestead. Homestead was looked at as the last great hope for Dade County. You had the most massive amount of land that was available. That is right. You are exactly right. I know. You landlocked. I know. And, but you had the land. So I would think that regardless of the soft economy, you're going to come out of this in, in a strong economy. You know, every, I was taught years ago by my mentor uh, when I learned business that even in a soft economy, you have to find a hard market. And so how are you positioning yourself in Homestead to get that hard market so when, when the curve goes back up, you're ahead of the wave, you're ahead of that curve? Well, let's, let's be really frank here, too. We have been hit hard by the foreclosure crisis. We, we were, and uh, we haven't gotten the latest statistics, but as of 2007, we were deemed the fastest-growing city in the United States of America. That's a fast-growing city. We, doubled, we almost doubled our population in five years. So we have been slammed by the foreclosure market. Our ad valorem, uh, the, the property appraisals came in under 25% of the pre prior year. So we're the hardest hit city in all of Dade County. But what we are doing is we are capitalizing on, on, every, uh, on what, what we have. We have been out there in the forefront. I mean, we are the, the um, grant king and queen of the city of Homes that are applying <laughs> for those dollars. Be careful how you say that. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right, you know. Got it, got it. But it's a liberal what, society. What we are doing is we definitely are trying to shore up our economy. 
We are bringing in a wonderful balanced budget. We're shoring up our economy. One of the ways to do it, to, to create this, this uh, economy, is on the commercial side, is to, to really embrace and open your arms to the commercial side, to, to bring in these endeavors. People will not leave your town to shop. They, we're trying to create this type of city where they don't have to leave unless they want to leave. What, um, you, know, you know, the interesting thing you're saying, you know, the, the stores that are going in, first of all, Lowe's is not the cheapest store out there. Right. You know, um, uh, Red Lobster, you know, we had one up on, I live in, in Harbor, Inlet Harbor Beach up here, and we had a Red Lobster for years. You know, it was not an inexpensive restaurant to go into. You know, they have all these wonderful ads, you know, a lobster, whatever it is, week or something like that. Right. But it, it ain't cheap. And, yeah, and Longhorn neither, is not cheap is either. Neither is, neither is Longhorn. But guess what? Olive Garden and Longhorn, they're packed. They're oh, yeah. Packed. Oh, yeah. Olive Garden, by the way, gets a great, great group. You know, that was my, one of my mother's favorite restaurants. Anyway, but I want to know more because you were at a – when did that country club open up? Oh, my goodness. The country club has been open up for years. I mean, yeah. it, when, when, the, when the Keysgate area was being developed, the Keysgate Country Club was built along with the Keysgate community. And that's the Keysgate Community Clubhouse, the Keysgate. There's a big golf course. It's beautiful back there, isn't it? Oh, it's just I'm t- I had not been back there um, at all. I mean, I've never was back there at all. I mean, I, I, that's one part of Homestead I did not go to. Uh, I've been to the base a bunch, and, and I thought that was very, very important. Uh, in fact, yeah. I want to talk about that. What, 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 well. What's going You know, I, I, I recently was on the base. I, I was uh, invited to... Um, uh, fly up to Jacksonville and from Jacksonville get on a, a plane and land on an aircraft carrier uh, that was about 80 miles offshore, uh, the George, USS George Washington. So I went down to Homestead early one morning with Southern Command guys and ladies. Oh, I love them. I love our Southern Command. Yeah, and a uh, very cool group of people, by the way. Were you with General Pagan? Um, no, he, was, he wasn't there. But, oh, but that dog was. It's amazing because I was going to interview the dog, too. Listen, um, but... That base is still very operative, isn't it? Absolutely, and what amazes me is when I will go somewhere and they'll say, oh, yeah, that base that used to be in Homestead. And I just I would say, excuse me, that is a, it's, a joint re, it's a joint reserve facility. That means every single um, branch of the military is on that base, but it's a reserve facility. So we've got Special Operations Command South. We've got SOC South. We've got MSST Miami, which is a maritime safety and security a team, Florida Air National Guard, the Coast Guard, the Army. I mean, the, the, of course, the Air Force is the host. So um, General Binger is the host of all of these other branches of the military. But this base is just a wonderfully functional military installation that is a wonderful benefit to our local economy as well. And we in the city of Homestead are so, so supportive of our military men and women. Well, I, I think, the, first, I think they're terrific. Uh, the thing that intrigued me the most when I, when I flew out to the aircraft carrier, which, by the way, the, the landing intrigued me incredibly because you go from about 140 knots to nothing in two seconds. Now, that's the one thing I haven't done yet. I've had a flight on an F-16. I've participated in refueling a B-52 in the air from a uh, KC-135. I've been on the helicopters. I've, I've been on many military jaunts that have been just wonderful, but I haven't done that yet. That's well, if you're claustrophobic, you can't do it. You're going to freak out. And then when you take off, you go from zero to 140 in about two seconds. Because I remember I looked at the pilots and they said, so when do we, and I couldn't finish the sentence. Because as I said, when do we take off? It's like, boom. I have never felt anything like that in my life. Linda, you, you're, you're involved in you're, you're running again for office. Yes. And, and uh, 
let's talk a little bit about that. You yeah. seem to have great love for your community. Uh, the community is just doing, it, it, just, it seems like it's thriving. You can see a lot of energy in Homestead. What do you want to accomplish over the next few years, Linda? Because I know you have great hopes and aspirations for, for Homestead. Absolutely. Well, Homestead, one, one of my goals, and I plan on continuing this when, when I'm reelected, is to absolutely make everybody know where Homestead is and what Homestead's doing. Homestead is now known in Tallahassee. Homestead is now known in Washington, D.C. Homestead is known in the county. So I have had a physical presence and a physical face everywhere in the entire, in the nation and the state and the county. So when you say Homestead, people go, oh, yeah, we know Homestead. That is one of the things that we have been very successful at doing. Uh, we, we are working, and not only that, when, we, when someone on the federal level does something good for us, we let, we let them know it, and we give accolades in the public. I want to continue where we've done. You know, we were so stalled and so dead on our parks. We have had plans for so many parks for so long. Within my last two years, in this just two-year administration, we have substantially completed and started six park projects, six. We just opened up the very first two dog parks in the city of Homestead with the splash pad and the Vita course. We're on budget and on time on, your, on the rebuild of a senior citizen center with a great multi-use facility. We have opened up, uh, re completely re renovated the Audubon Park. We've done Mistretta Park. We're getting ready to work on Whitcock. We've done Whitcock getting ready to work on Mistretta Park. I mean, we are just completing projects that were just dead and done, and we are really doing it. We've also just completed environmental on Roscoe Warren Park on the east side, and we're going to start construction in the next fiscal year. So we, I want to continue the success that we've started. We are very fiscally conservative. We've cleaned up City Hall. We've made government far more transparent than it's ever been. Our public hearings are far more efficient than they've ever been. We've gone from four meetings a month to two meetings a month, and we still complete them in half the time. Uh, we have a streamlined and efficient economy. We have cross-trained, multi-trained. We've eliminated non-essential positions, and we saw we saw a lot of what's happening now coming. And so we began eliminating positions, and we actually had hired some part-timers that we knew as development waned that we were going to not need these full-time inspectors, not need them. So we hired them in the beginning as part-time inspectors. So we were proactive in that. So I want to continue that. And then I would like to add, I also brought new things to the city, like the Roberts Rules of Orders training, like this transparency, the developer-builder workshop, very instrumental working with the military and the Military Affairs Committee. I also started something new called a civics lesson with the mayor. And I've had many, many schools, classes, children come into City Hall into the chambers and I give them a lesson on local government compared with county, state, and federal government and then we give them a tour of City Hall. These are some of the things that I've implemented just in my first two years. And I would like to and I, I would like to just continue where we have what we started, continue. We've been very, very successful and people really feel like they have a voice in government now. Well, you know what else you have? That I was uh, amazed when I was driving up the turnpike on the right-hand side going north. You have a huge Baptist Hospital Center. Absolutely, which we did the grand opening of that two years ago in May. So, so now you have great health care there as well. Absolutely. And, you know, we're also getting ready to open up the brand-new Hamptons Inns and Suites. That was right next to it, right, right, right near it. Right next to it, absolutely. And the rest were actually where the Red Lobster is going to go. We opened up, uh, we've also had opened up Mamma Mia's Pizza this year. We're getting ready to open up the Big Cheese any day now. So, I mean, I could go, you know, me, I could just go on and on and on about the wonderful things that are happening in Homestead. And the media loves to come and talk about the poor city of Homestead 
and it's 25% drop in revenue and blah, blah, blah. And yes, that's tough. That's tough. But I always tell them, why don't you talk about the good news? Let's talk about some of the good things that are happening in Homestead. And the answer is, well, that's really not news. But, but you is- know what? You, you have to, uh, if you look at things half empty, you're, you're never going to be able to, to leave the past and move to the present and go to the future. Absolutely. You must look at things half full. And uh, and be and be particularly, I think, in, in politics and being, you know, a very hands on active mayor that you are. Well, listen, we have about 30 seconds left. Um, if someone wants to get involved in economic development, how do they reach somebody? Oh, they can certainly give us a call. Give us uh, call my assistant at three zero five two two four 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 seven. And I have a committee. We have a committee system and I've assigned Councilman Tim Nelson to handle a lot of the economic development, and she can also know uh, directly how to get them in touch with Councilman Nelson and myself. Well, that's terrific. So don't forget, Mayor Linda Bell, Lin- and Mayor Linda Bell is running again, and uh, a terrific person to know. I, I suggest if you want to get involved in an area that's really ahead of the curve, take a look at Homestead. It would be a really good idea. And you know what? You can get a great milkshake on the way there. <laughs> Thank you. Take care of yourself. Good to have you, Mayor. Thank you so much. Take care. Good night. All right. Good night. I enjoy, this person is just terrific. Just a terrific human being. She really I, does sound great. I'd never, I was, yeah. I'm telling I never knew her before. Neither I'm did I, mayors but, uh, up here. I'm impressed now. I was blown away how, how terrific she was. She's so dynamic, and there's so much happening in Homestead. I just didn't expect it. So I had to get her on the show. Well, listen, great having you here today, 57 minutes after the hour. You need to go home, everybody, so take it easy. Alex, thanks for being here. Oh, you're welcome. See you all next week. We'll be back tomorrow for more of the good. Then I would have done it all. The bad. Film, television, and theater. The only thing left would be radio. The business. That's just for ugly people. This is The Rich Rothman Show. Ah, who am I kidding? I belong in radio. (laughs) 